0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the queue. It is season four, episode 10. And this episode is going to be talking about stigma within the LGBTQ community. And it is appropriately titled Close the Gate. Because a lot of what goes on in the community and outside of the community is people gatekeeping who's queer enough for, you know, membership, so to speak. And no. We don't need none of that. Um, You know, if somebody identifies as queer, that's it. Leave them alone about it. And I think that this episode will go a long way to helping people realize that no one is in charge of their queerness except themselves. And I have a guest joining me this week, and you'll learn a little bit more about her um, in the episode when she introduces herself. What's up everybody? Um, As was stated in the intro, this episode is going to be about stigma and the LGBTQ community. And again, as stated in the intro, I do have a guest co-host with me today. Um, She is someone that I've known since middle school. We have been thick as thieves ever since. And so I'm going to turn things over to her so that she can introduce herself to you guys and then we will jump right into the episode
1: hey guys my name is Jess uh like Kiana said we have been friends for what seems like a lifetime um but I wouldn't have it any other way I am technically her all-american pro so I love sports and I'm a wannabe bassist uh and I'm just glad to be here today to share some knowledge with everybody
0: Well, thank you, Jess. It is always a pleasure to have friends of mine on the podcast because there's a lot of stuff I think that we go through or that we've like talked about like privately or or just talked about like in general. Um, And sometimes we say really good stuff. And so, you know, I figured, why don't I ask a bunch of my friends, you know, to be on the podcast for various topics, you know, because Sometimes we have some really good shit to offer, like whether it's advice or just like insights about the world or perspectives or whatever it is, sometimes they're really good. And so, you know, other people should hear the conversations that we have because we're awesome and we have great ideas and why wouldn't people want to hear them, right? So <laughs> so <laughs> here we are, you know, you're on the podcast and, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. Now... You know, the episode is about stigma and the LGBTQ plus community, and a lot of it, right? At least from what I've seen, and and I'm just a baby queer. Like I, I've only been out about a year, maybe not even like that long, Um, give or take, somewhere around a year, close enough for me. Uh, I think it'll be like an official year come I think like I don't even know when I know I made my I made my coming out video October of last year so October 2020 I made a coming out video but I was technically already out to a few people before that um so technically I had been out for two years prior to that like privately um but like publicly to you know the masses um I've only been out uh it'll be a year this
1: October um that's a pretty big milestone I'm happy for you <laughs>
0: well thank you um but yeah so I'm a I am a baby queer
1: um <laughs> wait does so that, me that make me does that make me a like a uh like a fourth grader queer because I've been out like eight years how old are you like what grade are you in when you're eight eight? Third uh, grade fourth grade I think it's
0: like second or third grade probably
1: probably okay so i just you know i basically just know how to read and do addition and subtraction and That's basically <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> oh man uh but yeah so i'm a baby queer and and as jess just said she's she's been out for a lot longer than i have um okay. you know so she's like she's like before all of this she was like my go-to person because i don't have A lot of LGBTQ plus friends, which I really would like to change. So if anybody is listening and you hit me up somehow, (laughs) Um, (laughs) hit me up on any social media for the podcast. Um, And I have my personal Instagram link to the podcast, Instagram as well. So just hit me up. I need more. I need more gay friends. So
1: um, don't worry about the time of day. She's up at 4 a.m. She'll answer you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm up all the time. I don't sleep. It'll be great. It'll be great. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of what I've seen just from, you know, looking at different forums for, you know, queer spaces and queer communities, a lot of it is this idea of language um, and kind of this us versus them mentality, them meaning, you know, the heterosexuals. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that there's this, this division of us and them because we're all people. Um, we all have the same feelings. We all have the same blood running through our veins, um, that sort of thing. And I feel like language, even within the community, often can put up those walls that we keep saying we want the heterosexual people to take down. Um, and it kind of doesn't help our cause if we're putting up walls against them and we're telling them on the on the other side to take their walls down about us. Um, but I understand why they're there, and I understand the need for protection in the community. I understand the need for safety in the community, and sometimes we're not offered that, you know, by heterosexual people um, for various reasons. And so I, I totally understand wanting to have, you know, our, ourselves protected and wanted to, wanting to protect our own. Um, but I do think that it does us a disservice. Uh, Jess, it, do you have anything to, to say about that or to add there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't say what my sexual orientation was in my uh, lame ass intro, but um, I am bisexual. So that divide, it's like weird. So it's like, yeah, I guess you're like half hetero, half gay, but you're still gay. Um, So as far as you know, the language for me, you know, I'm basically kind of in the middle. Um, I mean, I know there's like an entire spectrum, but um, you know, my personal experience, it's like, you know, some gay people are like, oh, you're not gay enough, or some straight people are like, oh, are you just like experimenting? You know, are you just questioning? Do you like? Are you sure? (laughs) You know? Um, So just being in the community, in that, like, aspect, I get it a little bit from both sides, I don't know if it's the same way with you, um, but, you know, that's kind of where I fall, you know, into that category.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I haven't, I mean, I've experienced ace phobia, like, on my end, um, because I am asexual, um, and if you guys listen to previous episodes, I kind of go through my sexuality and explain that a little bit more. So if you haven't listened to the episode, please go listen to it. Um, Cause I'm going to be using a lot of terms that you may not understand if you're just listening to this episode as your first one. Um, so I definitely. The other one.
1: Yeah. What episode is that for the people that you'd like to listen in? I know you have like four series already or four. four <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be. There you go.
0: That's going to be so this is if you're if we're talking about the whole uh, podcast in general, this episode here is episode 44.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is
0: it is three episodes behind this one. So for this season, this is episode 10. And so the episode where I talk about my sexuality is episode seven for this season.
1: Okay. I'm going to have to listen to that myself. I'm a little behind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's okay. They're, they're, they're up there for whenever people want to listen to them. They're, they're always available for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I know for me, I've experienced ace phobia, but that's, that's from outside of the community, which leads me into my next point of gatekeeping. And this particular episode is titled close the gate. And that is because so much of the stigma within the community is based around this idea of gatekeeping of, you know, who, as just pointed out before, who's gay enough. Um, and, and from outside of the community, just being gay in general is, is looked at as a bad thing. And so this idea of, you know, stigma coming from both sides, where, you know, again, as just pointed out, people in the community are like, "Well, you're not gay enough, so you don't belong here." And the people outside of the community are like, "Oh, you're gay? Well, you're not a part of us." You know, and it's it's really hard to kind of conceptualize for people like what that does to someone. Um, and I know for myself, with my asexuality, it is I, I kind of get it on both sides too, um, because. For me, so just a brief overview for anyone who doesn't know, um, the asexuality orientation means that someone either has a lack of or a limited level of sexual attraction to anyone of any gender um, or any identity, rather. And, you know, for people in the community, it's like, well, if you're not attracted to anybody, then what are you doing here? Um, You know, or how are you supposed to, you know, categorize your queerness if, it, if it's based on not having something, you know, not having something that's, that's part of the queer community? Um, and then for outside of the community from heterosexuals, it's just, well, if you're not attracted to anybody, then how do you know you're actually gay? Or how do you know you're actually queer? Or how do you know you know, this, that, and the third? How, how can you say you're a part of that group if part of that group is being attracted to something other than what's normal? And you're saying you're not attracted to anyone. So how does that work? Um, and, and there are a lot of questions. <laughs> there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Um, and the people who really care to sit and listen will try their best to understand it. But ultimately, I don't think it's something that a lot of people can conceptualize unless they've gone through it, um, which is like a lot of things in life. Right. You know, you don't you know, you can't conceptualize what it's like to be in a really bad car accident until you're in one. Um, and so it's I'd understandable. Have like
1: a panic attack. I've never have had one. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like you can you know, of course, our imaginations are, are lovely things and we can imagine what it's like for someone going through those things. But we'll never really know unless it happens to us um, or to someone close to us. And I think that's also part of the problem, too, is that our society, because it is kind of individualistic, it gets to this point where it's like if it's not, you know, uh, in your backyard, as they say, if it's not happening right in front of you, you almost kind of you, you purposely disconnect from it. it. It's something you don't want to you know, identify with. It's something you don't want to have any empathy for or sympathy for. And it's, it's, I I don't think that should be the way things are either. I feel like whether or not you know a queer person shouldn't dictate how, you know, how polite you are to a queer person. It shouldn't, you know, just because you don't know anyone that, you know, is queer doesn't mean that you can't try to understand a queer person's struggles. Um, it just means that you don't have any personal experience in that area.
1: Oh, wow, are you waiting for me? <laughs> <Was that a laughs> I'm, I'm I'm new to the podcasting. It's it's hard for me to do social cues uh, digitally. Um, I was trying yeah. to.
0: That was a cue for you, but I was going to say something to lead you into that, and I got blanked for a second.
1: <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. I mean, I'm also doing, you know, kind of like what you said, to listen and try to understand too, because, you know, I'm bisexual and you're ace. So it's like, even in that sense, like we're both LGBTQ, but we don't have, you know, the same experiences either. So, you know, for me, I mean, I know we've talked about this off the podcast, but um, probably, and you can vouch, I probably asked you like a hundred questions at this point, you know, in the past year that I've known, um, you know, what does that actually mean? So yeah, if I, if I'm a little slow, it's just because I'm listening and processing. um, And again, too, just because we're in the LGBT space doesn't mean that we can't also be like gay and an ally. You know what I mean? Like I can be your ally as somebody who doesn't identify the same. Um, So yeah. (laughs) Yeah, then, coming in.
0: That's a really great point, too, is that, you know, again, with the gatekeeping and people, you know, saying, you know, who's who's queer enough or who's gay enough and who isn't like it can be on other identities within the community to be like, hey, no, that's not cool. Like if they're saying they're queer, they're queer, like leave them alone about it. Um, you know, and we we can also be allies to each other even within the community, and I don't know that I've actually heard that as a, as a talking point from people in the community, like, sometimes I'll watch, like, um, like, forums, or, like, the, like, people, and, like, each person identifies a little bit different, and they kind of just talk, or they take questions from, like, an audience about their experiences being, like, LGBT, and I'm, like, I've, I've seen it framed as, like, a we need to include anybody who says that they're queer, like, however they identify, we need to include them, and, like, we shouldn't be gatekeeping. I've seen it framed in terms of that, but I've never, I don't think I've ever heard anyone use the language of we can be allies to each other um, from yeah. different identities, and I think, and that's not to say that people haven't used it, that just means I haven't heard yeah. much, I haven't heard it be, like, a you know, a big talking point.
1: Yeah. I mean, even, um, you know, just as another example, like I do have, um, I'm blessed to know, you know, some transgender people as well. And again, even though I don't have the same experiences, you know, if I hear somebody saying the wrong pronoun, you know, I'm quick, I'm quick to correct that shit because I don't like it. Um, but you know, obviously in a non-aggressive way, because, if you're just like yo, you're wrong. You know, people are gonna be less receptive to it, um, and it takes people a couple of tries, you know, to get them correct. But you know, as long as you're seeing that they're trying, you know, that's also really important too. So, um, yeah, we I I I try to be an ally for as many you know people as I can because I think that is really important.
0: Yeah, and just inserting a caveat here for anyone who has experienced any like extreme. Um, stigma or extreme discrimination uh, because of their uh, identity. If you need to use coping skills or you need to pause this episode at any point, please do so and and seek support um, and lean on your support system because uh, the last couple episodes before I started the episode about mental health. And so again, um, just a caveat for everybody, while I am a licensed mental health professional, it is not a substitute for actual treatment. And so if you are listening to any of these episodes, um, and you feel triggered by anything, please put it on pause, turn it off and and go get the support that you need. Um, Because I I don't want people to be listening to things and to, you know, hearing other people's struggles. And kind of like, like, on one hand, yes, you're going to identify with that, because you're going to know that you're not alone in your struggles. But also, I don't want you to feel triggered to the point where you start Um, Kind of going down the rabbit hole of all the things that have happened to you. Um, So I, I definitely want you guys to take care of yourselves as best as possible. And so please utilize your support systems, please utilize coping skills if you need them. And the pause button is there for a reason. So if you need to use
1: it. Um, okay, so I do have the... a question for you actually to kind of go along with what you just said. Um, you, and maybe you've said this in the previous episode, I don't know, but do you have any specific resources if someone doesn't have a support system? Um, you know, or maybe they're not out, so people don't know. Um, that could be a question uh, for later, too, you know? Um, yeah. But
0: um, so, on a broad level, I would say Google. You're gonna be best friend, um, I am gonna. I am gonna do another episode towards the end, um, just about for LGBTQ mm-hmm. peoples. It's gonna be the very last episode on this season. So this is episode ten in season four, and that episode is gonna be episode twelve. Um, but from a general level, use Google. Um, you can generally find online groups or online like chat rooms or whatever that's geared towards the community and you can find support there if you have um you know if you if you have friends or family members like reach out to them um of well if if you're out to certain people you can reach out to them and be like hey can you help me find a group or a therapist or whatever whatever you're looking for Um, Definitely reach out to a trusted person um, and a safe person if you trust if you feel like you can't find things on your own. Um, I do have some resources already listed for mental health uh, things on the podcast website, I will probably make one uh, make another one for that uh, resources episode at the end of this season. But if anybody who's listening has any resources they would like to offer for anyone, please comment them on Instagram or Twitter or send them to me um, via DM or email me. Um, And I will definitely compile all of them and and put them everywhere so that people can find them before I make that episode. Um, And as always, if you are really um, with support for whatever reason, is okay to, you know, call someone that may not exactly be able to help you with that part of your identity, but might be able to help you with uh, any mental health things. If it's if it's becoming a mental health problem, um, because that's another thing for a lot of LGBTQ members, they also have mental health issues, and sometimes when they go to get help. The professionals who are helping them tend to focus on one or the other instead of both because sometimes one affects the other vice versa. and so if you are a person who is struggling with your identity and that's affecting your mental health, like say you haven't quite pinned down what label or what identifier is right for you yet and it's causing you mental distress, if you go get help for that, they may focus on the fact that you're just having really bad anxiety instead of focusing on the fact that you're having anxiety because you're having like essentially an identity crisis and you're trying to really figure out who you are and be as authentic as possible. Um, And so that may change the way that they offer you help or that may change the way that they look at your situation. And so please be aware of that as well, um, that if you cannot safely come out, it may be helpful to just focus on one part of the problem. So that you don't accidentally out yourself, but also you don't actually give anyone else, you know, ammunition to to hurt you with that information. Okay, which leads me into my next thing, right? About labels. Now I have very, very strong feelings about labels. Um, so as was stated, just as bisexual, I am ace. And, and those are like the broad labels, right? Everybody knows the broad labels or has at least heard them. So that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, you know, plus, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff, intersex, ace. Um, th- there's other labels, but they're all broad. They're the ones that you hear all the time, right? That's the LGBTQ, right? They're the ones you hear all the time. Now, there's other labels that are kind of like subsections, of the broad labels and they're called micro labels. I hate them. I'm sorry if anybody (laughs) is listening, likes them, uses them. I'm sorry, I just, they're not my thing. Um, I understand why they're important. I understand the level of impact they may have for somebody or other people in the community but they are just not for me. They're not, I'm sorry. And and trust me, I I like information. I love learning and so I've definitely researched the hell out of them because I wanted to know what these micro-labels were. Um, and oddly enough, there are two that technically could identify or, or fit with how I identify within the ACE spectrum, but I would never use them because one, that's more things for me to remember. And two, <laughs> that, that's, that's a whole not nother level <laughs> right. As if I don't have enough. Um, and like, two, that's a whole nother level of explaining that I would have to do with someone like it's hard enough explaining what being ace is on a general level. Imagine if I had to use micro labels to then explain what being a different identifier within the ace identifier within the queer community, like it just it, it's too much. It's too long. If people want to oh. go through like eight levels of explanations. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah more power to them but for me it's not for me
1: um yeah and definitely you know to anyone who's listening you don't have to feel obligated to have micro labels I mean I know I don't and it took me some time to figure out okay yeah I'm bisexual but I feel like you know people are evolving every single day so maybe you know I'm bisexual and femme today but maybe tomorrow it will be something else and maybe a year from now I'll be something else so you know, even if you, like I said, you don't have to feel obligated, but even if you do identify with something right now, like it may change. So don't feel like you're stuck in that label forever, you know, because that could be also detrimental to yourself.
0: Agreed. And at least within the ACE community, I'm not sure how it is for you, Jess, but at least within the ACE community, that it's one, that's one thing that's said a lot is that even if you identify as ACE now, that may change you know like you said people are changing and evolving every day and so as people do more self-reflection and and more inspiration over time you know their labels may change all of their labels not just the micro ones you know some of the broad Mm -hmm. labels change as well and I think it's really important for people to know that a label is just that it's just a label you know it doesn't it doesn't define you as much as people like to make it seem so if, if you're if you're thinking about it from a general perspective right you go to the store and you're looking for
1: rice oh you know, <laughs>
0: yeah fine you're do looking you want for rice. yellow
1: rice do you want jasmine rice do you want white rice
0: <laughs> there you go you know there's like eleven thousand different types of rice but it's all rice right like if you pick up a bag it's still going to cook the same you put it in water like things may change as to how you cook it based on what kind of rice it is but it's all rice it's going to cook the same you put it in a pot you put water in there maybe you add butter a little bit of salt and pepper and you you zhuzh it up however you want to um and it's it's the same thing you pick whichever labels fit you the best today whatever makes sense to you today and and Tomorrow, different labels may apply. Next week, different labels may apply. Next year, different labels may apply. And all of that is okay. And don't let anyone make you feel bad for, you know, maybe today you're, you're ace and, and cis. And maybe next year, you're trans and bi. You know, like, if that's what it is, if that's how things make sense to you for wherever you are in your journey then that's what makes sense for you. Nobody knows your experience except you. Nobody can tell you how you're feeling about your body, about who you love or anything else except you. And so don't let anyone bully you into thinking that just because you pick one label today, you have to stick with
1: it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that statement. When you're talking about rice sauce, like, don't be like me and uh, burn the kitchen down when you're cooking it though. <laughs> I have definitely uh, made some bad rice in my life.
0: <laughs> this is why you read the box, Jess. They make instructions for re-
1: No, I'm not good at reading, though, you know? I just took <laughs> it till my ancestors tell me to stop. And my ancestors <laughs> are usually wrong. <laughs> oh,
0: my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, that's funny. So, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to, there's two micro labels that technically fit. My particular identity. Um, I'm gonna tell you what they are. I'm gonna try not to like gag while I do it, but so uh, there's, there's one called... <laughs> there's oh, okay. there's one called cupiosexual which basically means that it is it is defined as someone who does not experience sexual attraction but would still desire or like a sexual relationship. Now, I'm reading this off of the LGBT wiki page. And so it says cupiosexuals are commonly sex-favorable, but they do not have to be. Cupiosexual may also be used by people who sometimes feel sexual attraction, but desire a sexual relationship even without attraction. For example, a demisexual person who date someone on the assumption that they will develop sexual attraction later on. So, okay, so that applies to me in a a couple different ways. So, within the ace spectrum, um, there is the broad identifiers of asexual, which is like completely on one end, and allosexual, which is completely on the other. In the middle... There are a couple of different other identifiers, like gray, asexual, and demisexual, both of which I identify with. Um, I am also sex favorable, which means that I enjoy having sex, even though I don't experience sexual attraction normally. Um, Now, a demisexual is somebody who tends to develop sexual attraction after an emotional bond has been formed. And if you haven't heard my gripe about the, the really phobic things that, that are said about this identifier, go listen to episode 7, where I talk about my sexuality, because <laughs> it's all explained there. But anyways, so technically, this cupio-sexual micro-label identifies me. It fits with how I identify my identity in the ace spectrum. Why I will never use it though, is because again, it's another thing for me to remember. Um, but it also comes with this, like like I, I read the definition to you and there were like a couple different definitions within the micro label. And so, like I said before, it's already hard enough to explain what being ace is like in general by itself why would I want to add another word or another label that then comes with its own set of definitions that can be varied? And to me, it seems like a micro label is, if, it, if it's not an easy micro label, if it's not a simple micro label that just has one specific definition for the micro label, if it comes with multiple like definitions that it could be, I feel like that's creating more work for the person who's trying to use the label. Like their micro labels aren't always as clear as they should be sometimes too, which can make it difficult for even the people who want to use the micro label, to use the micro label.
1: Um, And for me, at least with micro labels, um, they just kind of stressed me out. You know, like it was hard enough to figure out like, okay, which one of these am I, you know, then to add more definitions underneath. Mm -hmm. um but i mean if you're somebody i mean i have a variety of lgbt friends um and i know i have one friend in particular and she goes through every micro label and she's confident with that and enjoys explaining it so you know if you have them you're definitely valid but if you're like you know myself um or kiana i mean we have different reasons like for me it's just anxiety i don't like I'm just buy on me get over it you know (laughs) her her, the reasons you know are different um but again if you do enjoy using them and they make you feel more confident and empowered like more power to you you know
0: right right and yeah like
1: I threw you off. Whatever, all right. <laughs> no, no,
0: no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Whatever reason that you use a micro label is is your own, right? Nobody can question you on that. And so even though I'm saying that I hate micro labels and I will probably never use one, um, if if we're having a conversation and you're telling me what your labels are and you include your micro labels, I'm not going to be like, Ugh, I can't talk to you because you use micro labels. I'm going to be like, oh, really? Tell me more about that. Because I want to know how they make sense for you. Because the more that I know how you conceptualize your own identity, the better the better I get a chance to understand who you are and who your authentic self is. And anytime I walk into a room with another queer person, I want them to feel included. I don't want them to feel like they're not queer enough. I don't want them to feel like they have to hide a part of themselves because they've been doing that for so long. You know, if if you are out, I never want you to make make. I never want to make you feel like you have to go back into any one of your closets. And so, if you use microlabels and we're having a conversation, or you're trying to tell me that microlabels have helped you in any way, please tell me. Like, let me know so that anytime I approach you or anytime we have an interaction, I can make sure that, oh, wait, this person uses microlabels. Let me make sure that I know what they are so that, you know, misidentify them in any way because I would never want to do that.
1: Yeah. And you don't want to be dismissive either of someone else's experience. So yeah, I agree with you though, where it's like, you know, tell me, I'm open to learning and I want to understand. And I, you know, the goal is to make you feel, well, even not even, it's not even a goal, but like it's as a safe space type of person, you want that other person to feel like they can be their most authentic, um, self around you, you know, and that's what being a safe person is, you know? So, um, yeah, definitely feel free to share it. Feel free to learn. <laughs> I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, stop me. Um. <laughs>
0: no, you're good, you're good. Um, so there, there is another micro label um, that, that particularly pertains to me. It's called, I'm assuming this is pronounced mirror sexual. It's M-Y-R se- and then the word sexual. I've um, never heard of I- it. <laughs> <laughs> According to LGBT Wiki, um, this is a micro label it, that pertains to ace people who experience multiple ace identities. So the ace identifier, the ace orientation is a spectrum, um, much like the general queer spectrum itself. And so within the ace identity, there are a couple different identities. And so this Microlabel is saying if you experience more than one ace identity, this microlabel could apply to you. So it says these identities could rapidly fluctuate or they could be experienced at the same time. An example would be someone who is demisexual and graysexual or gray ace at the same time. This pertains to me because I am both demi and gray. Uh, That's how I identify, which, again, can be confusing because two, those two things mean two different things. Um, and so explaining to someone how they happen at the same time can be nerve wracking. Um, and this particular micro label, it, it highlights that it does say that it says this can often create confusion when finding one's place on the asexual spectrum. Um, and so I know for people like myself in the ace community, we already have a hard enough time. Uh, you know validating ourselves on a daily basis about you know if we're aCE enough um, and then to add a micro label that's like oh well we're ace in like 10 different ways um, and then to have <laughs> somebody go what <laughs> you know yeah. like um, but again you know if a micro label fits you and that helps you to conceptualize your identity by all means use it and and correct other people when they mess it up because you know that's another that's another thing sometimes we, you know, yeah, be your get... own
1: advocate.
0: Yeah, be your own advocate. Right on, Jess. And
1: I'm um... doing a little like rocker wannabe bass uh, hand motion right now. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rock on. <laughs> yeah, and like
0: for someone like me, who again is is a baby queer, you know, and I'm I'm newer to the community. It can be very um, intimidating to talk to maybe a more experienced person or a person who's been out for a number of years and to have them say to you, oh, we don't use micro labels here or we don't, you know, we don't do this or just say you're this so that everybody gets it. Um, it, it can be a little bit intimidating when someone who has more experience in the community kind of tells you to dumb down your identity. Um not that I don't think that's happened to me that I know of or that I can remember, um, but I'm sure it's happened to people out there. And you have the right to correct those people just because they've been out for you know 10 plus years or whatever doesn't mean they know everything. Like, if you identify a certain way, tell people that, correct them so that when they introduce you, when you are trying to build. A support system or find community in different spaces. People know who you are when you walk in, and they know how to address you properly. Um, because nobody, nobody wants to be that person where you know you walk into a room or you walk into a new group, and someone goes, "Oh, this is you know James, and he identifies as ace," and that's the only thing they say, and you're like, "But but but I'm gray, or but I'm demi." or but I'm whatever identifier they left out. And you're like, hey, I, I explained to you that I identify all these other different ways. Why did you only tell them I was ace? And they say, oh, well, because, you know, all the other stuff they wouldn't, it would have been a longer conversation to explain. And it's like, okay, but that's not up to you. You know, like, my identity is mine. And you know, it's not on you to explain it either. It's, it's my identity. And so if they had questions, I could answer them because that's my lived experience. Um And so, yeah, so correct people when they, when they misidentify you, correct them, stand up for yourself, be your own advocate, as just said, and, and don't be afraid. It can be, it can be intimidating. It can
1: be scary. Yeah, it can be scary in many ways, Um, especially because they're, I mean, we all like to say, like, we're one collective, like, our little rainbow, and be supportive of each other, but, you know, in some respects, there is still some um, discrimination within our own community, which is something that I hope, um, you know, we can steer away from, and uh, in my ideal world, you know, I wouldn't be like, hey, this is Kiana, she's ace in this, like, I just want to be like, hey, this is my really good friend, Kiana, you guys will love her, you know? Um yeah. So in that regard, you know, like the labels are great, but in an ideal world, I would just want to be like, "She's awesome," you know what I mean? Um, but the discrimination, you know, just to be realistic, as a a fourth grade uh, gay person here, a fourth grade bisexual, <laughs> um, you know, it does it does happen, you know, and even there's instances where I don't necessarily feel like I fit in because maybe I'm the only bisexual in a group of people that are lesbian, you know? Um, So it's kind of like you almost feel like a little bit of the the misfit or the outcast, you know, of that particular group. So um, it can be intimidating. It can be scary. But, you know, as long as you find the right people that, you know, hopefully they will accept you no matter what.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Spot on. I couldn't have said it any better myself.
1: I got the other rocker hand going.
0: <laughs> and um, I
1: don't know. I don't know if this goes kind of with the same point though. But um, even for me, as well, this is just like my lived experience. But as a bisexual person too, I feel that I've gotten a lot of protection in that sense um, because I can pass. You know, like I can be in a relationship with somebody that is, um, you know, heterosexual. And nobody would know, you know what I mean? And then, um, so I think in some ways too, it's like, you know, I'm not a stereotypical person that maybe people think, um, like, I'm trying to explain it in the right way, but like, you know, like with TV and stuff, if you think of a gay person, you're automatically looking at maybe someone from like RuPaul, you know, or someone that's very flamboyant or somebody that's, you know, that stereotypical thing. Um, But it's like, we're not, like yes there's some people that are like that you know um but like we're still just people you know what i mean like um right. but in some ways and i don't know if that's the same experience for you key like um you know where you feel like you do have protection because no one's gonna look at you and be like oh she's ace you know what i mean and like we're gonna treat her this way because she's ace um so i mean again i don't know what you experience, but i think that because we're like passing we don't necessarily get you know the worst uh discrimination or the worst you know like maybe like hate haters (laughs) um because we can kind of like hover under the radar too in some ways
0: right and i i don't know that i've gotten protection per se because of because of that aspect i definitely feel like it's been more of a Maybe not an, I mean,
1: I don't I know, really know how, how to, <laughs> well, no, question. it's just, like,
0: I'm trying to think about, like, the, the, like the way you said it, yeah, I'm trying to think about, like, a time where I felt protected because of that, um, and it, but all the times that I, that of course, that I'm coming up with are times that I haven't been protected because of it.
1: Well, Uh, also, you know, COVID too, so we're all working from our homes, you know, for the, well, not everybody, but, you know, I know we were both working from home, so it's not like you would have those necessarily same interactions that you would have had two years ago, you know what I mean? Um, Right. But I know, yeah, go ahead.
0: I think, like, for me, I just... I think because of the way that, that I came into my aceness and, and finding out my ace identity, there wasn't any uh, the protection that I got wasn't because of me being able to pass. Uh, the protection that I got was from the community um, about uh, being in a relationship with a owl person and being validated that it was like being validated on the basis that it was okay that I had gotten to a point in my seemingly passing relationship. um, and and even though I was having problems, it was validated for me that I was doing the work of asking the questions and, and trying to figure out if the ACE label made sense to me. Um, and like I said before, in the ACE community, it is very much purported uh, that if the ACE I- identity makes sense to you, then use it until it stops making sense. And I, I don't, I think the original person who kind of coined that phrase used it as a way to just be more inclusive uh, because for a, the longest time, people in the ace community were just thought of to identify that way because of trauma um, or because of, like, uh, because a lot of people mistake being ace for being celibate and they're not the same. Um, And so I think originally people just took that as use the identifier until it doesn't make sense anymore as just a way for the way that, like, Aloe people understood it was that, oh, they're just going to use that because of their trauma until they heal or whatever. Um, And that's not, I don't think, I don't think that's what the original purpose of the phrase was for. I think the original purpose of the phrase was more towards the idea of what we were talking about before. Like, you know, people are changing and evolving every day. And if, you know, one label makes sense to you today and it doesn't three years from now, then you can stop using that label. Um, But I think in some Aloe spaces, because Acephobia is still very much like a big thing and people don't understand it. Um they kind of use it as like a we're just gonna throw you guys under this rug and forget about you type of thing because you're just using this as a as a get out of jail free card type thing. Um but I don't once I became confident in the fact that I was ace and, and I knew that that was something that fit me. Um, as part of my identity, um, I don't think there was any passing protection because at the time not many people knew. Um, and so at the time it was just my then partner and I think like maybe one or two other people. Um, and those one or two other people weren't people that were, uh, they, they weren't people that were in positions to like, judge me for whatever was going on like they were they were people who were kind of uh supposed to be impartial people in my life um they weren't people who were just like you know any joe schmo out of my regular circle yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was gonna say rando on the street but I like yours better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um but yeah so it's it's it is interesting though to to talk about you know passing privilege and and what that actually uh kind of like how that actually plays itself out in, in certain spaces. And going going forward in the discussion, it's actually really good that you brought that up because the there's all different types of levels of stigma for people in the community, right? And there's so many different levels and so sometimes it is hard for people in queer spaces to kind of keep track of it all but you know we have cishet stigma we have able-bodied stigma we have neurotypical stigma we have race stigma um, and so basically all those things are ways that the community feels uh, discrimination for one reason or the other so obviously cishet stigma is just the idea that the norm in society is for someone to identify identify excuse me with their assigned gender at birth and for them to be straight that is the assumption um in normal society i hate the word normal sorry guys i cried i quotes. i got a conge Yes i did air quote do i i, I hate <laughs> Um, I and talk like, about that in another episode that I, I just I don't like that word. But anyways,
1: yeah, that's um, why you guys know we've been friends a long time <laughs> at the same time and we can't even see each other. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, so there's there's that. And then there's able bodied stigma, which is the idea that, you know, if you don't have a physical disability, then you're assumed or excuse me, if you don't have a visible Disability. Let me let me reframe that. Um, if you don't have a visible disability, you are assumed to be able-bodied, which means you can, uh, you have full range of of motion, full range of mobility with your motor skills. Um, neurotypical normity. That's not even a word. Neurotypical <laughs> norms. <laughs> neurotypical norms is that you don't have any sort of. Uh, mental issues or neurological issues so these this would apply to people who uh, possibly have ADHD or autism or down syndrome things like that Um, if you which again falls into that category of of visible versus invisible disability um, to a degree and race is another one um, where you know the normally god I hate that word (laughs) <laughs> Typically, there we go. Typically, uh, the people that are on the platforms that are speaking out for anyone of any community—they're uh, often white. They're often male. Uh, fun fact: the spearheader person for the ace community is what—a white male. Um, now that doesn't—that doesn't invalidate him in any way. Um, but I think there was conversation about. Uh, him being a white male and and how that had impact on the community Um, and from what i've seen he's been very great about you know giving space to non-white uh people who identify as ace and and allowing different platforms for other people um to kind of speak their piece um so yeah so you know in addition to the regular stigma of, you know, you're not gay enough, um, or you're too gay, um, as Jess was talking about, where if people don't fit into those stereotypes of being, you know, super flamboyant or super, you know, one way or the other, um, queer people also have to deal with all those other stigmas that, you know, people deal with every day. So in addition to just dealing with stigma about their gender, are about their sexual orientation, they still also have to deal with racial stigma and disability stigma things. Um, and so, you know, when you start talking about how much uh, kind of water queer people have to tread uh, v- about all these different issues, right? It's like, you know, we're treading through, you know, the Atlantic Ocean or something because not only do we have people saying, you know, you need to be this queer to count. Um, we also have people who don't understand that multiple identities can exist within the same space. You know, you can be mm-hmm. queer and disabled, you can be queer and neurodivergent, you can be queer and black or queer and, you know, Spanish or whatever. Um, just because you identify as one thing, again, with the labels, doesn't lock you into that one thing. So if you are, you know, um, if you're a, a passing white person, uh, and people just take you as white, you know, and all of a sudden, one day, you start identifying as, you know, Latino, or, or one of your other identifiers racially, and people start, you know, raising the question mark, Go well, hold on, I thought you were white, what do you, what do you mean you, you know, you identify as this? Um, that's just a lack of that's just a lack of information on their part. And that's ignorance on their part to assume that you were white to begin with because you looked a certain way. Um, that has nothing to do with you. You know, you identify however you want to identify. Um, but if, you know, if you walk in and you, you look white, most of the time people are going to assume that that's what you are versus, you know, someone like me, um, <laughs>
1: You kind of can't mistake Not me white. for anything else. <laughs> Wait, do your, uh, do, do your listeners know your race by now?
0: Yeah, they know I'm black.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm white. I don't know if you guys know. Now you do. <laughs> we got our interracial uh, friendship going on.
0: But but yeah, you know, as opposed to someone like me, where if I walked into a room, people would people would be very quick to be like, "Oh, she's black." I mean, and 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 they could still be wrong, right? I could be, mm-hmm. you know, Caribbean. You could
1: right. I
0: could be, yeah. I don't know. I could be anything. They don't know. My skin is just mm-hmm. darker. You know, that's not a. That's not the. That's not the sole thing that you want to base someone's identity on. Um, on any level, you know, somebody could be, walking upright on both their legs. That doesn't mean that they're not disabled. It just means yeah. you can't see whatever their disability is. Um.
1: Can so I yeah, you, like interject a little bit there too, just no, go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. So I know you're um just to kind of like add to your point and maybe give some perspective to your viewers too. Um, so kind of when I was talking before, I have, I have like by protection and like I can pass as somebody that's straight. I also like have epilepsy, but like you would never know that I have you know that disability. Um. Or, you know, I, I mean, you know, but I have like a tumor, too, and something that's not something that is visible. Um, so in a lot of ways, um, you know, I have been very blessed on my end. Um, I think that's what's made my experience, I think, more of an easy transition coming out um, or just even, you know, having some of those issues um, because I can pass, you know, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that makes like 100% sense, but like, I have all these things that you would just never know. And I think because you would never know, I've had it a lot easier and it's not something that I necessarily have to share or have to explain, you know, because you're just going to see me as being, you know, I- I'm doing air quotes, normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, you don't get those questions as much, Um I mean, I don't know, again, I don't want to speak upon anybody's um, experiences, but, you know, in comparison to some of what my other friends have said about their coming out, like, mine has just been fairly easy, and I think it is because of, you know, those factors, like, I am white, you know what I mean, so I don't get that racial part, Uh, you know, I am gay, but you wouldn't ever know unless I told you, so, um, Mm -hmm. again, I'm tangenting and I'm circling here, but, like, you understand the point, like,
0: yeah, no, no, and and I thank you for offering your perspective because I, I think there's something to be said there too, as to you know if you are a person that does have a lot of passing privilege, don't let anyone make you feel guilty about that either. You you again, it's 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 the same as any other. Um, as a person who doesn't have passing privilege, they can't control that. You know, you you can't control the fact that you're white. You can't control the fact that. You know, nobody knows about, well, you can't because you could tell them. But, you know, again, everybody can understand the the need for privacy. Everybody can understand the need to just be who they are without being questioned about it. And so, you know, at least from a racial standpoint, you can't control the fact that you're white. You know, mm-hmm. and nobody should ever make you feel bad about, oh, well, you're white and you, you pass. And so you don't have it as bad as we do. Yeah. Yeah that that (laughs) true statement she she doesn't because she's white she can't control that like her parents were white sorry like (laughs) you know, like that's not her fault you know how like the only thing that would be on you then if you were one of those people that was just like well yeah I am white and so I don't have it as hard as you and and I'm like if if you use it as one of those like bargaining chips where it's just like I'm a you know I don't know I'm always going to be the more visible queer because I I have that privilege. If you're that person, like, fuck off. Like, nobody wants you (laughs) at the party. Nobody wants you at the party. Nobody wants you in the circle. Like, if you're that person that's going to hold whatever privilege you have, even in a queer space, go kick rocks. Like, nobody wants you there. (laughs) Don't be that person.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, it definitely, I mean, it totally makes sense. You know what I mean? Like... I I don't know (laughs) I know I'm not the best at like expressing myself because I don't always talk about these things but um even as somebody that is very privileged like I know it I acknowledge it um but like I'm not just sitting on my ass and not advocating for other people too you know what I mean so it's like I can use the privilege that I have to help other people too um which I think is also really important instead of You know some people use their privilege as an excuse or they undermine their privilege when they obviously have privilege (laughs) so uh, i think that if you're able to like acknowledge you know that that's also like an incredibly helpful place to start you know um, when having these conversations
0: definitely and i think it goes back to your point of how within the community we can be allies for each other so even if you have privilege even as a queer person, you like you said, you can use your privilege to kind of advocate for other queer people who don't have that privilege and to, you know, call attention to the disparities and the discrimination that that happens because it, it does happen. You know, we may not hear about it a lot. It may not be something that matters to, you know, heterosexual people as much. It might only be an in-group thing, but it still matters and it needs to change, and we all need to be more accepting of each other, um, you know, and so people who do have that privilege, even within queer spaces can use that privilege to make queer spaces more safe, to make them more inclusive and to make them, you know, better all around.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's what I try to do anyway. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I come from a very, very privileged space in comparison. Um, you know, even with my experience, well, I think you'll talk about parents later, but even, you know, I wasn't kicked out of my house, you know, because I said something or, you know, I wasn't uh, disowned by my family, like nothing like that happens. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I can only speak for my experience too. So I'll never speak upon other people's experiences. Um, but again, you know, just using my experience, hopefully, that I can be like someone that can advocate, you know, for other people too is like, I don't want to not acknowledge those people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm, I don't feel like I'm explaining it like the correct way, but you know, just because I've had it pretty easy doesn't mean I'm dismissing experiences like of other people. Um, right. Cause no, yeah, you're making sense. yeah. Cause those experiences are like, they're real, they're valid. And I mean, even like, just even where we're located. I mean, I don't know, again, what Pennsylvania is like, but in New Jersey, where we are, like, I can hold my girlfriend's hand down the street, you know, and I'm not going to get very much like crap for it. You know, I mean, I've had, I have had like people drive by us and say like, not nice things to us, you know, but it's at a relatively low rate because of, you know, where we live. Um, then you know in the south or something or even if you're a specific religion like you can be treated very very horribly and it can be incredibly scary um you know and that you know people even die for just or get imprisoned because of like how they identify so like those experiences like are very very real and i never want to take that away from somebody else which is also you know you've probably mentioned it in your other podcast but like you don't want to out anybody else you know like you want those people to do it on their own time because you don't know like i could be your safe space friend and to me it's like oh it's no big deal but if you accidentally let mm-hmm. that slip in a conversation you could potentially i don't want to say like ruin their life but it could potentially have way more negative consequences than you could have ever even like imagined right so right. it's good to be and mindful I, of that
0: yeah and i think so uh what so what jess is talking about when we started the episode i I told her that i was going to do like a brief kind of intro um just about the fact that she was going to be the guest on the episode um and then i told her i was going to let her introduce herself as she did in the beginning and at first she kind of asked me well why like what do i say and i'm like i don't know say what you want it's 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 you um and i and i said that because again even though she identifies as bisexual, or she has said that she identifies as bisexual, um, and she's using that broad label. I don't know what other micro labels she may use. Um, even though we're really close, you know, that doesn't mean she tells me every single little thing or every single little change that may happen um, in her own queer journey. And so there may be new things that I don't know. And so I said to her, you know, say as much or as little as you would like, because I I want you to you know, present yourself the way you want to be presented. I don't want to just, you know, take what I know and present that. And I may be leaving something out. Um, And I think that when you're having those conversations with friends or coworkers or whoever, and someone isn't, you know, maybe they're not all the way out, meaning like they're only out to a few people or a handful of people, or they're not out at all. You do want to be very careful about what you say and how you say it. Uh, because there may be people that that don't know um, and, and yeah. they may get treated differently because of that.
1: And you, you can't necessarily even like take it back, you know, there's no take back seat, you know? Right. Um, so, because even sometimes, I mean, I feel like maybe it's harder for men, but it's kind of like, okay, maybe they're bi, but everyone's like straight to like, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're never going to be anything else but gay, you know? like. Um, mm-hmm. You're just using being bi to, like, soften the blow or, like, whatever. But I feel like sometimes the LGBTQ labels can almost be, like, weaponized in that way. Like, even if you don't identify like that, it's, like, once people know and if they're not, like, open to talking about you, that's, like, the only way that they see you, which is, like, a really yep. unfortunate thing. But, again, like I said, there's no take seats. So <laughs> it's kind of, like, use. You- go on your journey and figure it out and if you're not ready to help people that's fine Um, but whenever you are ready and you feel confident in you know how you are and how you identify and you know anything you know do it on your own time Um, because you're the only one that can really speak for your yourself Um, so don't ever think you know there's a a time frame like oh I'm like 21 I should probably come out like you could come out if you're 77 I don't care like just <laughs> um just do it on your on your own space like don't feel pressured <laughs> and if you're yeah, somebody yeah. that knows don't take that power away from them to tell their own story because I don't think that's fair either
0: agreed um, that was a really perfect way to say that just perfect way
1: Thank you. I feel like I'm out here like screwing up. And now I'm like, I could be a podcast host. Let's go co host. Yes,
0: let's go start your own podcast. I'll be the first guest.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, even in this scenario, like I've never done a podcast before, you know, and it may like I was pretty quiet in the beginning. But it's like, you know, I'm going on my journey to like navigate how this kind of conversation works. And what the dynamics of this like, Shelly, are and uh, I mean, I don't have to worry about our relationship because you know, we're thick as thieves, like you said. But, um, you know, it's even taken time between I don't even know what time we started. What are we like, half hour, 45 minutes in? Um, just uh, even from that beginning stage to now, like it's so so different. Um, yeah. it's I know it's like a minute thing, but you know, you can grow. Uh, in such, like, you could surprise yourself by how much you can grow. Um. Agreed.
0: Agreed. And on that note, great segue, Jess. Um, On that note, we are going to uh, getting to some parenting tips. Um, Now, I'm not going to go super into detail about this, um, because I don't think many parents are listening honestly i have i have i have friends that are parents so maybe dog parents
1: maybe pet parents
0: i mean can animals be queer?
1: um i think so aren't there some animals that can like impregnate themselves and they can like change their gender i'm pretty sure that's a thing
0: maybe i don't know i don't know much about that but if there's someone who does if you're a vet or something talk to us um you know, leave a comment or something uh maybe that's a thing i'll do an episode on later probably not
1: but yeah. if somebody yeah. has, wants to
0: talk about it i'm down
1: yeah well i don't think uh you know this is a veterinary channel <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay that you're not privy to that kind of information but i definitely i think it does exist um okay. all right but that well, could be you know maybe that'll be my podcast journey you know if i create <laughs> talk about uh different animals.
0: um but yeah so we're we're gonna go through some parenting tips and, and just kind of touched on her experience with her parents and and her coming out kind of story and it's it's one of those things where a lot of times you know as much as someone in the community um especially younger people so I'll say like mm, well, I don't know, because me- pe- people are starting to come out younger and younger these days. But let's just say elementary it's school, let's just say from like, yeah, that is great. You know, let's just let's just say age, age eight to like high school. Let's just say age eight to 17. Right. Uh, if, if you are a parent of a child who is contemplating their sexuality or questioning or searching or they've already come out. Um, don't think there are not communities for you, too, because they are. Um, they are plenty of communities for parents who have children in the community. There are, you know, groups for parents who may not be as on board as their children would like them to be. Um, and the, the groups are there to help you to understand. The groups are there to help you to realize that your child is the same person they were before they came out to you. Your child has not changed in any way, except that they are now being their authentic self in front of you. And if, if that doesn't make you want to learn as a parent, I'm sorry for you. Because no child should have to go through losing their parent over something as simple as who they choose to love. I'm sorry, they shouldn't. And if they do, if you are one of those parents, uh, I, I hope that in time, you know, you learn to ask the hard questions and respectfully, of course, and you, you know, you learn to be a little bit more open and you learn to, you know, embrace your child as as the full, whole person that they are and not just the part that you want to acknowledge. Um, and, and I, and I, I do hope that over time you are able to come into your own about what being a parent of a child in the community means to you, because you also have your own experience and your own journey with that as well. Your child is not the only person that goes through that journey. You go through a journey too. And please, for the love of God, don't be the parent they make Lifetime movies about. Please don't. Please (laughs) don't. I've I've seen too many. And they're all horrible, and like horrible in the sense that the things that these parents do in the movies, or the way that they ostracize their children in the movies, and then regret it later. Like, please don't be one of those people. Like, I I get it can be a lot. I get it can be you know
1: overwhelming. It can, it can be and a like, yeah,
0: it can be overwhelming. <laughs> can be you know? But but if you're if you're gonna be The shocked parent, if you're going to be overwhelmed, at least say that. Say to your child, I I understand what you're trying to tell me. I understand you're trying to share your full identity with me. But I may need some time. Like, at least be able to say that. Because then your child knows that you're still going to be there and that you're open to, to learning. You're open to hearing them out. Because the minute you shut down anything they try to say to you, you've lost your child forever. I'm sorry. You have. Because they're never going to be able to feel as comfortable and as safe as they did before they said what they said. Because that's a big moment for them too. Being able to get to that point where they're going to say to you, this is who I who, who I truly am. This is my full identity and I want you to know because you're my parent and I love you and I want you to be able to see the full me. If you shut that down, you you've lost them because they're never going to be able to trust you the same way again. In my
1: opinion, that's just me. Um. Wow. I was like, is that another cue? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I think for me, I mean, you have your, your strong opinions about that too, but um, I don't know. I think every family dynamic is different, you know, because it's not like it's a kumbaya, everybody loves each other, you present this information and everybody hates each other. You know, like some people do have already distant relationships with their family and I also have to add like one more thing, you know. Um right. so but I don't always I mean I'm cheesy. I believe in giving people like second chances or whatever. So maybe if they don't react great the first time, you know, maybe they potentially just need some time to process that. But I think, you know, kind of what you you said, like be upfront about that. Be like, hey, I don't know how to take this information right now. I'm gonna Process it and then we can come back and have a conversation. So I think, and I think that's important with like any heavy topic, you know, even if you can't respond right now, or, you know, at least it helps you kind of from responding emotionally, especially if it's something like completely, completely new. Like if it's like, hey, like I'm white, I'm dating somebody that's black, like if that's a no no in your family, you know, instead of somebody being like, oh my God, you know, it's just like, okay, this is different. How are we going to like move forward? Um, And again, some families, that stuff is like no big deal, you know, but I think as long as you say like, okay, I just need a sec, you know, and we can have this conversation. I think that that's like the most, like that that's the best thing, at least from a starting point that you can do. And, you know, unfortunately, even if you take that approach, they might not necessarily still process it in the way that you would hope um so there is you know I think that's also what makes coming out so scary is because you don't like know what the reaction is going to be so for even me like it was very easy you know like I didn't have any like grief about it but I was scared you know like even um in, in my family at least I'm blessed to have like another lgbt community like family member who came out like she's in her maybe 50s or 60s right now so it's like all right, I want to tell my mom's side of the family first because this is where that relative is, you know? And then I didn't necessarily give my dad that chance that I gave my mom just because of, like, the family dynamics and, like, he's his family is, like, more religious. And then it's kind of like when I told him, he was like, oh, it's no big deal. But I had told my mom, like, several, several months before. And she kept that secret from me, or kept that secret for me, you know, by not sharing that with him. Um, but then again, it was like, okay, no big deal. But I was still freaking out. Like, how am I going to tell my dad? How am I going to tell my dad? You know? Um, so all of that stuff is like normal, but I think, you know, the best thing that my parents did, um, again, like my mom held that secret for me. She didn't like break my trust. you know? Um, even though it's really hard for her to keep a secret, especially a a secret from her (laughs) own husband, you know what I mean? And that was probably for about like six months um yeah I would say it's like close to six months it was a while um yeah so like the best thing my mom did for me was like keep that secret and like the best thing that my dad um did for me was just be like and (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) like which is probably like
0: the best reaction that you want from a parent in that sort of situation
1: yeah he's like and I mean it wasn't like Oh, I've always known because I'm not one of those people that have known since I was like eight. Like, I have kind of, again, gone through my own journey to kind of figure out my orientation. So it's not like it was obvious from the jump, but he's just like, OK, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, my parents are still I mean, it definitely I'm not going to say like it didn't take time because um, even, you know, I th- oh, I don't know. I think when parents like meet their kids, significant others, it can always be like a little bit awkward, but it's too like, okay, what can we say? What can't we say? So like you have to give your parents some leeway too, in that respect if they haven't like navigated that before. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean that all I, again, I know I keep saying this, I can't speak from anybody else's experience on my own, but as somebody that is LGBT, you know, Again, I was, like, very scared, but all I really wanted was to just be accepted and loved unconditionally, you know, to just be, like, and, you know, like, I don't mm-hmm. want it to be this, like, okay, my name is Jessica, I'm bisexual, and that's, like, all there is to me. Like, I just want to be, like, a regular person, I'm like, hey, that's a piece of me. It's not, like, straight people are, like, hey, my name is James, I'm going to go with that name again. My name is James, and I'm straight. Like, you don't have to, like, announce that, you know what I mean? Um right. But I in think, an
0: ideal, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, go
1: ahead, sorry. no, go ahead. I think we we're <laughs> headed in the same direction, honestly. With our like last <laughs> thought,
0: like in an ideal world, right? No one is. No one will have to come out. You know, hopefully in the future, nobody will have to make this big, you know, song and dance about telling people that who they love is is different than straight people. Um, it'll just be, hey, I'm James. And I like, you know, I like anime or something, you know,
1: the, the, the <laughs> yeah, fact of like, defining personality trait, you know,
0: yeah, it'll just become just another thing that you know about this person. Um, yeah. You know, and, it, it, and something else that just kind of touched on that I wanted to kind of highlight as well, for any young people who are listening, which you shouldn't be because well, no, you shouldn't be as far as I think that the, the, some of the social media because it, it's blocked off for 18 plus because some of the language that I use sometimes is yeah. not family friendly yeah. but um, <laughs> if you happen to be on Spotify and you stumble across this podcast and you're listening to this episode and you are listening and you are under the age of 18 uh, give your parents leeway um, like Jess mentioned because if they've never if you have no other exposure in your family to LGBTQ anything or even just, like, if your family is very traditional and you don't really have exposure to non-traditional things, you kind of got to give your parents a little bit more grace um, because it is so far removed from what they know and what their quote-unquote normal is. Um, That's not to say that you have to tolerate disrespect or, you know, flat-out, you know, uh, toxic behavior. Um, But it is to say that you, you kind of want to be a little bit more gentle about, you know, if they get your pronouns wrong, or if they, you know, uh, misgender you or or your partner, Um, again, correct them, you know, definitely don't tolerate any disrespect in that area, or any intolerance, Uh, definitely correct them and and keep pointing it out to them like, hey, nope they identify as they, you know, and, and do your stuff. But if they've, if they've never had any form of interaction with those sorts of things, you have to give them a little bit more time than maybe the, the average parent who might have had a little bit more exposure with that, um, because it's, it's so far off their radar that it's, it's really going to take them to do, it's going to take them time to do that work to, to put it on their radar so that they don't keep making that mistake. Um
1: yeah. As long as oh, yeah. they show an effort, you know, I think that also goes, like, a very, very long way. <laughs> you know, yes. they might not get it perfect, even if you correct them 100. But if they're trying, you know, that's also still, like, greatly appreciated. Because there are some people that won't try. And they're going to be disrespectful. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to dismiss your experience. Like, you're going to have a lot of people like that. Well, hopefully you don't. Um, but there may be people like that. Um, and just again, like somebody that's showing that effort it is, you know, comforting to, to an extent because you're like, okay, they care enough about me that they're, they want to learn more, you know? Right. And right. even with like our friendship too, it's like, you know, I never met anybody that was ace before. So it's like, I also need time to kind of like, I wasn't like, Oh my God, what do I do? She's like, you know, but I was like, okay, like I don't, I'm not familiar with anybody else, you know, in my circle that, identifies this way, like let me take the time to just like hear her out, learn what that means, like how that could be there for her, you know, or then you know, I'm sending you uh Etsy stuff, like look at all this prize stuff. <laughs> or we're sending right, each right. Other, like or we're sending each other blues clues parades. Like and it's just something that's like become just normal like in our friendship, you know? Um mm-hmm. but I mean you could like you could ask her i probably asked her like a hundred questions i'm still asking questions you know but i think maybe if i don't get it right or I'm, i may not ever a hundred percent understand because i don't identify that way but just that like effort again i think can be like very comforting you know to just know that you have at least one person you know that like really cares and is trying and um so If you're listening, hopefully you can be that person, you know, for somebody else, Um, which is also, too, why I wanted to come on the podcast, because I just hope that whoever's listening, that this can empower you in in some way um, and, like, make you feel safe and make you know that, like, there are people that are going to accept you. Um, So even if it's just, like, one person, you know, like, I feel like we've kind of done our job with this, <laughs> with this particular episode. Um, but yeah. again, like Kiana said, like, if you don't have a support system, like, <laughs> try. You got two people sure. right here. If no one
0: yeah. else is gonna support you, we're going to do it. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's also why the resources, too, are very, very helpful. So, you know, if you are listening and you have resources to share, like you are being an ally for that person that may stumble across the comments and, and read it, you know, and that could have, you know, you never know. that could change everything for that person. That could like open up so many doors for somebody. Um, because even like on the other side of the spectrum too, like, I mean, acceptance is like, Again, I can't speak for you, but um, acceptance, I think, is something that everybody's looking for, even not necessarily, like, in the LGBT, like, spectrum. But, you know, in a lot of cases, too, you know, you're mentioning, like, youth, maybe somebody that is LGBT that's eight years old. Like, if you're not accepting, you know, that person could also end up, like, killing themselves, you know, because they don't feel accepted. Like, youth. LGBT suicide is like a very high percentage. I think, uh, I don't want to not say the correct percentage, but if you look at like the Trevor Project, like all the information, you know, was there for you, but it like surprised me just to see like, how like bad it actually is, you know? And if just that acceptance even helps them accept themselves or just makes them feel like good, like someone's got you, like, that can again like change, like they they could still be here tomorrow, you know. Versus if you just dismiss it and you don't care, and then maybe they're like, no one's gonna care, and then not be here, you know. Like the world is a a better place because you're in it, you know. Um, so again, like use those resources, share those resources, because you never know like what's gonna make that impact or accept that person, you know. And because any little thing, you know, can really go a long, long, long way. <laughs>
0: Right, so. right, agree, and, and I will reiterate it again, do not be the parent they make Lifetime movies about, because the, the Lifetime movies that get made about LGBT youth are either the youth who do take their lives after being ostracized and, and, um,
1: Bulletin, uh, diso- harassed and things like and diso- that, <laughs>
0: yeah, like, it, either they take their life because of all of that bullying and non-acceptance, or, They, you know, get to a place where they do find their community, but they've, they don't have any contact with their family anymore. And, you know, then when their family does finally come into the picture, you know, it's this big song and dance about how they have to accommodate for their family. And, and no, you don't. Uh, I'm, I'm, if anyone's listening to that, and they feel like they've been estranged from their family because of their identity, and now you're trying to reconnect, you don't have to cater to them at all, because they had a chance once upon a time and they did not do it. And so now they, they have to play by your rules. They have to come to you on your terms. And your terms are that you want to be accepted as a full, whole person. That includes all of your identity, not just the one that they know about. Meaning mm-hmm. like your assigned identity at birth. If, if you identify in any other way that's inherently different than what you were born with, they need to recognize that. And if they're not going to recognize it, then I guess the distance will continue because you also have the right to set those boundaries. You don't have to, you know, put yourself in a toxic environment just to get acceptance either.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I'm like, snap. I can't snap, but if I could, you would hear it on the other end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> boundaries,
1: I mean, boundaries are really important. Like you said, and you shouldn't tolerate anything less. And if, you know, if your parents are not going to accept you, it's like how many times can you try and get their love? You know what I mean? So if it goes in that direction, you know, like it sucks, but you know, I hope that there's somebody else that you can feel supported by and um, you know, people can be your family without necessarily being your blood. Um, So I hope that there's somebody out there, um, you know, like even Kiana and I will, our blood is very different but like we're family we're always going to be family Um, and I think just having each other in our lives I mean it's like a beautiful thing and we've learned a lot from each other and we've grown together and it's just nice to have you know somebody that you know will be there for you no matter what so if that's not your parents you know I am truly truly sorry because I can't even imagine that how hurt you know, or yeah. how, like, terrible that that must feel, um, and I empathize with that, but I just, again, I just hope that there's somebody else out there that you can confide in, and, um, that can be there for you, so.
0: Right, and there's one more thing I wanted to say to the parents out there, um, and I say parents, and what I, what I really mean for this particular point is any, uh, caregiver really um and so if you are raising children um and they're not lgbt um or even if they are um but your your child is not the one that you're worried about and your partner comes out to you or your partner starts to kind of question their identity uh again please don't be the person they make lifetime movies about (laughs) uh be open How often to learning. You
1: watch Lifetime. Like you... <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh oh Lifetime and me used to have like an ongoing relationship.
1: Oh okay. Um,
0: <laughs> but um you know be the be the be the be the partner that's open to learning, be the partner that's open to asking questions respectfully, um, and embrace your partner. You know, if they've identified a certain way for so long, it can be very hard for them to, to, to come out and, and to say to you that they are essentially someone different. And, and what that means is there's someone different than you've known all these years. Um, that doesn't change how the process works. You're still supposed to affirm them. You're still supposed to validate them. You're still supposed to either tell them that you need some space to process, or maybe you you ask them, to share with you what their experience has been like, hiding that part of themselves this whole time. Because as partners, normally, you're supposed to be their, their number one, you're supposed to be their person that they can go to. And if they if you get to a point in your relationship with someone, and all of a sudden things are different, because of an identity thing, and you're feeling like something's off, like, it's okay to ask. But again, ask respectfully. So if you're if you're trying to figure that out, you can ask your partner, hey, is there something I'm not doing? Or is there you know, is there something that you want to share with me that you think might be really difficult, you know, and even if they say, no, everything's fine. Again, you have to respect that they're going to come to you in their own time on their own terms, and they're going to share with you whatever level of information they want you to know, they may not tell you everything the first time around. And that's okay, you have to be okay with that. Because again, however they identify has to be presented in their own way and on their own terms. And if you're someone who may be concerned about how your partner's identity may affect your children or your child, again, do your own research google you can't catch the gay lord jesus the people that even think that you can't catch it's not that type of thing okay so if you're worried that if your partner comes out then all of a sudden your children will want to come out and all this other bs that's not true it doesn't happen that way and so you know again i encourage you to ask questions respectfully be open to learning and, and again, those, those parenting communities, they have spousal communities, too. They have communities for people who were in passing relationships and, and now their person has come out. They have communities for you, too. Please don't be afraid to reach out and find them because I guarantee you the support that you want, the support that you're looking for
1: exactly. is there.
0: It's there and you can utilize it, even if you don't quite understand it at first, even if you go to a meeting and there's people there that look nothing like what you thought they were going to look like. Be open. Stay open, because if you walk into somewhere and you're expecting to see drag queens and all this other stuff, you're going to be highly upset because we're just regular people.
1: LGBT yeah, for are real? just regular
0: people like we don't exist in this extreme of. You know, like Jess was talking about before, if someone, like, if a gay man is not flamboyant, that doesn't make him any less gay. Like, he's still just a man (laughs) who (laughs) happens to like men. Like, just because he's not flamboyant doesn't mean that he's not a quote unquote true gay or whatever you think a gay person may, may look like. You know, we're all just humans. And so, if you have those biases, if you have those preconceived notions check them at the door because we are also very vocal in this community and we will tell you about yourself so you don't (laughs) want to be embarrassed either so you may want (laughs) to just sit back and listen for a little bit and learn some things before you start throwing (laughs) questions and comments (laughs)
1: do they have um Lifetime movies about children not accepting their parents if they come out. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't watch Lifetime, but
0: <laughs> uh I don't know. I I it's been years since I've watched Lifetime, but like my mom used to watch yeah. Lifetime a lot. Um and I was just always in the room with her. So I've seen a lot of Lifetime movies yeah. about a lot of different life experiences that I have not lived.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's also like an entirely different narrative from a perspective again that it's like I don't know if we can speak on or even if we can try to talk about it, like it will be a whole other episode. So
0: Yeah, it will uh, be a whole other wanna,
1: thing. Yeah, don't want to overwhelm your, your listeners in that in that way because we could, if you guys don't know, Keanu and I, we could talk to each other for like five hours straight about this kind of stuff. <laughs> oh uh, so don't want to put too much content, I guess, in one episode. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. That was just like a random, I don't know, lifetime. show. <laughs> That's, <laughs> okay. That's okay. That's
0: okay. Uh, So just kind of like to wrap up here. um, The one thing I do want to say again is just if you are someone who has a partner or a child that is exploring their identity or going through their own identity journey, either right now or in the future, um, take that, embrace that moment as an opportunity to see them for their true selves in all of their beautiful glory and be thankful that they felt that you were a safe space to share that authentic self with, because that's really what's happening. That's what it comes down to. When someone deems you, I don't know if I want to use the word worthy, but when someone deems you important enough to share that particular, you know, to to share that piece of themselves, they are saying that they feel safe with you. They're saying that they feel you are a person that they can be 100% authentic with. And if you don't view it that way, and you view it as any other way than them telling you that you're a safe space for them, you are going to ruin your relationship with that person. And, and I would encourage you to not do that. Because depending on who it is, that could really have a big impact on the rest of your life as well. You know, and you don't want to ostracize yourself either just the same as as the person coming out to you can feel isolated, you can also start to feel isolated because now you've cut that bond with somebody who maybe you used to be really close with. Or if it's a child, that's your child. You know, that's your own flesh and blood. And if you if you cut off that connection, that could have significant effects for you as well. And so when someone does come out to you, just try to remember that they are probably doing the most scary thing that they will ever do in their life as far as their identity is concerned. And the way you respond is probably going to be the most scary thing that you ever do in your life concerning your relationship with that person. And so just be mindful. That's all I'm going to say. is just be mindful of what your response is and how you handle that. Even if you've already passed that point and someone has come out to you already, and maybe you didn't handle that situation great the first time. You can always work to to kind of correct that. You know, you can start to put in more effort to be more open minded and be more inclusive to them. And just you again, you can always ask questions. You know, like Jess was saying before, she's always asking me questions about my identity, and I love it because I know that it's coming from a place of like her caring about my identity and her caring, caring about who I am at my core. And she wants to make sure that she understands that as best as possible, even if she can't fully understand it because she doesn't identify that way. She's making an effort to make me feel more comfortable around her, to make me feel more safe so that if we are ever in a situation where she has to speak up for me or be my yeah, advocate, I'm going
1: buck up. She buck can up. she can do so um, and be informed I about it. I am ready. I am ready. I'm
0: am sorry. Ready. The fact that you were just like, I'm a buck up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I care so much about my friends, you know? Like, I don't want to see anybody in that position. So, like, I love you. I'm going to stick up for you. And, like, yeah. I'm not going to throw fists, but I'm going to throw words. And those are <laughs> words sometimes. <laughs> but, no, yeah.
0: And so you got to, you know, if you're going to be an ally and in the episode after this one, episode 11 is going to be for allies. So if you feel like you want to move towards that direction, stick around for next week and we'll talk about it. Um, But if you want to be an ally, there's a way to do that. You know, even if you feel like you haven't been the best ally before, you can always change. You can always learn new things. You can be better, you know. As we stated before, just like with the labels thing, people change and grow and evolve all the time. And as an ally, you can do the same.
1: I was thinking about what we were talking about. It's like, when we met, we were both straight. Here we are, 16 years later, however many, and now we're here. So it has definitely been a journey for sure. Definitely. 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 And also, well, this is, like, backtracking, like, a little bit, too. Like, I know when you told me it was, like, your moment, but as, like, the listener, I was, like, this is, like, the highest compliment and honor that I could even, like, imagine. (laughs) Like, I wasn't even trying to make it about me, but I was, like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, like you were saying, like, you see me as, like, a safe space, and I'm, like, this is, like, a super, super compliment, and, you know, you should be nephew's pride you know pride month but like you should be like proud too that someone thinks of you so highly you know that they can trust you with that information um so again yeah not making it about me but i just want to say when you told me that's just kind of like where my head was at but also like it's your moment too so make sure that you're also listening um and listen carefully you know because this person is telling you very very personal um information that's for sure so um, right. right just handle it with grace even if it's a shock you know it's a compliment that they're even telling you so agreed agree thankful <laughs> um
0: so yeah so to kind of like i know we talked about a lot like a lot,
1: in a, this lot a lot a lot guys.
0: <laughs> again the pause button is there so if you need to listen to this in sections or if you need to like go back and listen to parts over again that's what it's here for um You know, so overall, you know, stigma runs rampant in the community as it does in society as a whole, unfortunately. But if we all are committed to accepting one another more, being more inclusive of one another, being advocates for one another, being allies for one another, hopefully we can start to change the world and to make it a better place for everyone, not just people in marginalized groups so i really do hope that you guys enjoyed this episode um and if you did you just sharing that <laughs> we love we you do love you. we do love you if you did enjoy the episode sorry you don't have to listen again but <laughs> you know uh um, you, <laughs> you can totally to. <laughs> totally pick some other podcast to listen to um but for the people that are on board and, and are going to stick with me Uh, as we continue to have episodes and seasons and different things. Thank you for your support, as always. I do have a Patreon now for the podcast, so if you would like to be a supporter on Patreon, please uh, check out the link on the website, and you could just search the Q Podcast on Patreon, and it should come up. Um, uh, There's also an offer going on right now, where if you are one of the first 10 people to sign up for the Patreon, you will get a exclusive logo sticker that was made by Calcified Crafts from Instagram. Um, there is nine left. I already gave one away. And so if you want one of those stickers, please go ahead and sign up for the Patreon. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, I do not have Facebook for the podcast because I just I don't do Facebook. Um, it's not my bag anymore. But not find us. <laughs> yeah, it's not lifetime. But uh, mm-hmm. find the podcast anywhere you like. Leave comments, leave your thoughts, questions, anything you want. Uh, please be respectful. Uh, if you're not, depending on how I'm feeling, I may be petty and tell you about yourself before I block you. But, you know, that just depends on my mood. So be mindful, you know, <laughs> when you type out a comment, <laughs> be prepared to get to smoke if you want me to respond to you.
1: Um. <laughs> you, you, buck up. you I got the buck, you got the smoke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I said, next week's episode will be on allies and allyship. And if you are interested in that, please stick around for next week's episode. And if you're not, sorry, don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Um, But thank you, Jess, so much for being on this episode today. I know we kind of went all over the place, but we did cover some really good topics. And thank you so much for your input. I'm so glad to have you as a friend. I really do hope that you will join me again for another episode. Anytime you want to be a co-host, just let me know.
1: Oh, yeah. Next time I'll talk about, um, you know, animals. (laughs) I'll get get my notes ready. (laughs) No, okay. but I, I really do. I love you a lot. And anytime, if you want me here, if your fans want me here, I'm definitely happy to, you know, be here because this was such a special community, I think, that you're building. And, you know, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? So I really do appreciate you thinking of me um, for coming on this month's episode.
0: All righty. Well, you are very welcome, Jess. And again, to the audience, Thank you for rocking with me this long. Uh, We are almost at the end of season four. There are two more episodes. Um, Also, just another caveat about the Patreon. I do have bonus episodes up there. So there there are episodes that are only available through Patreon. So if you're interested in those, those are a little bit more personal in nature. Um, They're about more of like my work life uh, kind of update type of episode things um so if you're interested in those go sign up for the patreon that's how you get access to those um in addition to some other like benefits and things that i have going on over there so yeah um thank you everybody for listening for riding with us through this really long episode but i hope it was well worth it i hope you learned some stuff i hope you go learn some stuff as a result of this episode google is your best friend but also remember you can't believe everything you read on the internet, you know, find a book, find a person who identifies in whatever way and and ask them directly. Because just because you see something online doesn't mean that's how somebody is going to uh, experience things. So be mindful about the information that you're taking in as well. But I will see you guys next week. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode.